0: So the atoms making up this TARDIS would occupy precisely the same space and time as the atoms making up the master's TARDIS.
1: But that's impossible. Yes, well, of
0: course it is. what do you think would happen? Womp. Exactly. Extinction. Utter annihilation. Do you still want to come?
1: It is my job. Remember?
0: Glad to have you aboard, Miss Grant.
1: Glad to be aboard, Doctor.
0: Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode and give their thoughts on it. And today we are talking about The Time Monster.
1: Yes, The Time Monster was written by Robert Sloman, directed by Paul Bernard, produced by Barry Letts, and aired May 20th, 1972 to June 24th, 1972. The only thing that I could find that Robert Sloman has done so far is that he co-wrote the diamonds.
0: The diamonds.
1: So who knows?
0: Yeah, it's a crapshoot.
1: The Damons, for the most part, was fine, and then they killed the devil with the power of love, which definitely knocked it down a few pegs <laughs> on my ranking. So, eh, it's, we'll, so we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out, I guess. I'm gonna level with you, Caleb. I know that I always say I'm excited to watch this. I couldn't give less of a shit about this episode. I want to get through it so that we can watch the next episode because the next episode is one that I've been really looking forward to. Oh no, is it the racist one? It's not the racist one. The racist one is a fourth Doctor episode. So <sighs> fine. You see, I got that in the mail. I sent you. I sent you a picture of it in Messenger.
0: Yeah uh i saw that i cut i i tried not to look at the doctor i was like well, which one is it so
1: i i purposefully covered up uh the years on the dvd so you couldn't tell like when it's gonna happen i watched the first episode just to make sure that the dvd worked oh no I it not. is it is peak Drinking game. Take a shot every time you feel uncomfortable. Racism. Oh Oh, no! (laughs) I told Brittany a couple of the things that were said in the episode, and she's like, "Oh god! Oh no!" I can't wait for that episode so much, Caleb. Anyway, (laughs) that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the time monster. That time. The incredibly racist episode is much later. We don't have to worry about that we just got off of an episode where a black man was named gotten <laughs> we don't need to worry about racism it's fine oh, yeah.
0: oh boy boy howdy maybe this podcast was a mistake <laughs> that's something i've been thinking about since episode one man <laughs> That's going to be the title of this episode. I'm not going to call it The Time Monster. We'll be like, maybe this podcast, episode 67, maybe this podcast was a mistake.
1: Did did we make a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough talking about episodes that aren't this one. Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Time Monster, what do you think this episode is going to be about?
0: Well, you hinted in the last episode that they return to Atlantis in this yes. episode. I'm going to say they very vaguely return to Atlantis. I think now that the Time Lords have learned, er, have had the doctor interfere a few times on their behalf, they're like, hmm, this whole doctor guy is a loose end now. We need to take care of him so we can maintain our appearance of non-interference and go back in time and save the fucking crazy doctor from the underwater menace. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah. Uh the nothing can stop me now guy. And turn him into like a mutant monster abomination. And uh they chase him they chase him like the fucking nemesis in Resident Evil 2. Okay. It's Resident Evil 2, but <laughs> Doctor Who.
1: <laughs> That's solid. That's a solid episode premise. I like that episode. I'm worried that it's gonna be another one of those I'd rather watch Caleb's prediction. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Than the actual episode.
1: Whenever your prediction is too good, it makes me more scared than anything else. Because I'm just like, oh <laughs> god, now I have expectations of what this could be.
0: See, what you really need to do is we need to go back in time and write Doctor Who the right way.
1: Yeah, why not? Last last episode, it took us two weeks to finally watch it. I want to get through this episode so that I can get to the next one, which is one that I just. I just wanted to watch like not even podcast related. I I have it on DVD. I just wanted to pop it in, but I was like, no, it's coming up too soon for me to be able to watch it and still be separate from the podcast. Uh, So I'm excited for this one. Anyway, that's next time. (laughs) That's not this one. (laughs)
0: You know, it's going to be a good one. Mac is like, I don't fucking care about this episode. I'm just trying to get through this podcast.
1: I suppose on that note, We will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. may have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was eight days for us. So you just kind of dropped a little bit of a bomb there Caleb before we before we started recording would you like to share with the class your general thoughts on the time monster I really do not fucking like this episode at all
0: (laughs) I don't know if it's a combination of I'm just kind of frustrated by how mediocre the past episodes have been and I'm just putting it on all this one I don't know if I'm just sick of the master but almost everything about this episode frustrated me to no end okay Interesting. There's precisely two things that I like about the episode, uh, and they're all, it's collectively about four minutes of it,
1: so... Okay, interesting. You will be uh, fascinated to know that it almost made my top five. (laughs) Oh. I liked it. (laughs) Well then, I, oh my god, I cannot fucking stand this episode. Well, uh, then I'll go ahead and give you this piece of trivia now, because, uh... It'll be the one time in which you're actually synced up with the uh, Doctor Who fandom at large, because uh, this episode was ranked as fans' least favorite Third Doctor episode in a Doctor Who magazine poll on at least four separate occasions. Oh wow! So wow. <laughs> a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> I actually enjoyed it for the most part. Like, obviously, it wasn't like great, but. Yeah, I think for me, it,
0: it's the culmination
1: of everything I don't like about this show. Okay, well, now I'm, now I'm really... Be- before, I was like, okay, yeah, let's get past this one so we can get to the next episode that I actually want to talk about. But now I'm like, ooh, intrigue. I, <laughs> intrigue. I want to hear Caleb rage. Uh, I don't even know who we rage. Right. I'm just...
0: I'm just tired, Mac. I'm tired. It's just a very tired anger. <laughs> <laughs> It's that type of anger where you look down the road and
1: you see the bus come at you and you just stand still. Where like or like um you walk in and you see that your kid has just made a huge mess and like stained your carpet that's gonna cost you like thousands of dollars to replace and you're just like <sighs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I I suppose we should just go ahead and jump yeah, in. Yeah, I guess. Cause... Let's just
0: dive right into it. I'm gonna take Want to take another sip of coffee? Anyways, episode one. The doctor awakens in a strange chamber with a master looming over him, laughing maniacally. Joe wakes the doctor up and he realizes it was all a dream. Meanwhile, the master, posed as Professor Thaskalos, is working at the Newton Institute with a mysterious crystal. The doctor begins investigating any recent earthquakes or volcanic eruptions and is adamant that his dream means something disastrous is about to happen. He then develops a tracking device to find the master. However, by the time they arrive, the master is already beginning his tests and shouts the name of Kronos as it commences. No, Mac, do not ask me if anything else happened in the episode. Nothing else happened the whole episode. I'm
1: I'm just disappointed in you, Caleb. You went through that entire recap without once saying the word Tom Tit. (laughs) I did, because I heard it. I heard it. I was like, "That's fucking stupid." No, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just jettisoning that from my brain. Oh God, because you know the the machine that the master is working on is called is it's some sort of acronym about time and blah 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 blah. Uh, but it shortens to Tom Tit, and boy, howdy, do they say that word a lot? <laughs> they sure do. And it's funny every time. <laughs> Well, they say it very heavily in the first two episodes,
0: and then don't bring it up again until like, episode six. And I was like, "Oh yeah, that thing."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> funny.
0: So we'll 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 start off with like the thing I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I largely don't like about it seems like it's more prevalent in this season of Doctor Who for whatever reason, but I don't like the weird mysticism elements. Yeah, like the mo the moment the Doctor woke up and he was in a cave and there were these like axe things and an altar and the the master being big and laughing when over them I'm like I don't fucking care Uh, immediately
1: I don't like this episode that's that's true they have kind of had that as a theme and I will remind you that the writer of this episode uh Robert Sloman co-wrote the demons you can tell almost immediately it has a lot of similarities to the demons because I thought this was gonna be tied to the
0: demons. Because when the doctor or when the master yells out Chronos, I thought that was the name
1: of the big demon guy at the end of the demons. No, the demon in the demons. Sorry, I've been I've been mis- mispronouncing it. Uh, the demon in demons was uh, Azil or something like that. Oh, I could have sworn it had some kind of like Chronos kind of name
0: to it. So. No,
1: but he did say that he was responsible for the destruction of Atlantis. So like, Robert Sloman has a boner for the destruction of atlantis i guess i don't know <laughs> right at the beginning you know uh, doctor wakes up from his from his nightmare uh joe makes him a, a cup of tea because that is the cure-all for every british ailment um and he takes the cup and then walks around a little bit with it and then hands the cup over to joe and i was like this is i both love and hate that this is the exact same gag that he did with liz i think in The Silurians or something. I don't remember. But like Liz makes him a cup of uh, tea and then uh, he just holds it for a while and hands it to Liz. As we all know, the doctor isn't
0: British, only pretends to be British, secretly hates all British customs.
1: (laughs) Why do I keep landing here?
0: (laughs) Every time they go to
1: drink tea, he's like, oh, yes, tea dumps it in a plant. Land me in like fucking Madagascar or Canada or Chile. I don't care. Somewhere. Somewhere other than britain (laughs) or the most cultured land of all
0: the united states of america (laughs)
1: lands in america Mm, i'm gonna Mm. go to britain (laughs) (laughs) and then the doctor is just like having basically a conversation with himself because he's connecting a whole lot of dots of this newspaper article that's talking about the crystal and whatnot and just leaving joe in the dust and she does have a line of, look, I know I'm exceedingly dim, but would you please mind explaining? I was Like, I liked that line. I don't <laughs> I don't know what it, there were. There were a lot of funny lines in this in this episode, in this story. There were a lot of uh, lines that ranged from. <laughs> to <laughs> So and what a spectrum that is. It is. I, there have been a couple of times when this show has made me bust out laughing. I don't think it happened in this story, though. I think the only times I've really busted out laughing
0: in this show is when it's been very ironic, <laughs> when the show's just being very cringe. There's one point later in the story where I do laugh for basically that reason. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you. I'll let
1: you guess what it is. I I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> then we then we cut over to what what was the master's fucking pseudonym this time? Thaskalos. A Thaskalos or something like that. We cut over to Professor Thaskalos' lab and. Uh, his two assistants and the very beginning of this story had lava footage for some reason. I'm not entirely sure why. And I was just like, Oh boy, I hope one of his assistants doesn't go anywhere near that lava. Cause then all the straw that makes up this feminist will just go up like that. <laughs> 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 because she's a feminist in that she's just like, very anti-man and is just like, she's a straw feminist in the way that 1970s can only, can only do. I didn't like The Assistant because it was just very much not a...
0: Good news! You do not have to worry about her in about two episodes.
1: Yeah, yeah, she kind of gets dropped a little bit. You'd think at this point in all of the episodes, they would have landed on some sort of consistency of The Doctor's Lab, because I swear it changes every other episode. Mm-hmm and now is no different (laughs) yep it changes a lot uh this
0: episode is boring as fuck. it's literally just going back and forth between the master doing some science stuff and bullying his interns and the doctor trying to convince the brigadier and joe that the master is involved because he had a dream and that is the entirety
1: of the episode basically but the storylines do start to uh start to converge a little bit because uh Benton walks in and is talking about how he's about to enjoy his 48 hour vacation Uh and then Brigadier says no you're not you're going down to the you're going down to the university with me and he's like ah, fine and Benton about to go on leave and then immediately getting called into duty at the last second is the most military thing I think I've ever seen in the world <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah and then they go there, and,
0: well, they find, like, a window cleaner, like, knocked out for some reason. And this
1: isn't the episode where time starts to act all weird. That's the next episode. That's the next episode, I think. It, yeah, that's the next episode. I would like to take a moment to talk about the uh, the Master's lab assistants, though. Are they siblings? They, they bicker like siblings, don't they? <laughs> I, I think there's, like, one line in episode one that... Implies that they're siblings, but it's never brought up again, and I was very confused <laughs> when they brought that up because I was like, they were acting like they were fucking. Is is the, is my problem? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh man, Pornhub is taking notes. It's okay, they're step siblings. Now that I should have said that, like, it's a little funnier because the guy
0: has like a, a classic '70s porno stash. Porn stash, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> All right, new canon. This episode got way more interesting. <laughs> and then they're, they're all heading down to uh, the university. And while driving in Bessie, Joe complains about how cloudy it is outside. And I'm like, Joe, you've lived in London your entire life. This should be the default for you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you complaining about? Uh, the doctor hands her a, uh, a time sensor to see if anything goes off like, in terms of, like, it might be the Master's TARDIS or the or some other experiment that he's doing, and uh, tells her to keep an eye on the time sensor and let me know if anything happens. And um, it's just sa- shaped like a dick with a handle. Mm-hmm. It is just a, a cock and balls with a little, with a little uh, sensor gauge near where the balls are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boy, howdy. Like, did anyone look at that?
0: Did anyone look at it? No Nobody. Nobody was thinking that perversely in nineteen seventies England, Mac. Right after
1: the sixties, of course they were. They they were a decent folk, of a decent time, the seventies. Uh-huh. <laughs> in order to get to the university faster, the doctor uh, kicks Bessie into maximum overdrive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and by that I mean they just fast forwarded the footage. <laughs> <laughs> To make it look like Bessie was driving a lot faster than it was. And it was kind of hilarious. Yeah, it was straight up like Nitro Boost from Need for Speed. <laughs> and it's funny because like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a slow start. But I, I actually make the note of I'm actually kind of enjoying this one. And I want to see where it goes from here. It's nice to know that Caleb was having the exact opposite <laughs> experience. I started and stopped this specific episode four times.
0: I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the more it went, I was like, it's still fucking going, oh my god. And I have I have that feeling for basically the entire story. <laughs> and maybe, maybe that's why I don't like it as much, because the individual episodes are usually a bit of a chore for me. Like, I usually kind of, like, push myself through them. But I don't know, something about this episode just took for fucking ever. Maybe it's the fact that the plot doesn't
1: actually begin until, like, episode five. It's funny you say that, because... Um, It it feels less like the story starts in episode 5 and more like the story just completely switches tracks in episode 5 and it's now suddenly about something completely different. (laughs) I don't know, but like all
0: the conversations are annoying to me, especially in the next episode we're about to talk about. Oh my fucking god, episode
1: 2 is horrible. Sometimes episodes just like anti-click with you, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just, some are just really hard to get through. I understand.
0: <laughs> and I think I was partly frustrated because maybe I, just going into it, I was like, we haven't had a, we haven't had an enemy of the world yet. I need an enemy of the world for the third
1: doctor and God damn it. I need it so badly. Yeah. And genuinely really think one of the things that bogs it down so fucking much is just how much they use the master. Mm-hmm. I I will say that he starts to become a little bit less frequently used soon. It really is just like the master is introduced and then you're like, okay, well, I know I know where this is going.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. I'm like, the moment he came on Scratchler, I'm like, fuck, god damn it. Uh, I'm just tired. I'm just tired, man. I know. I know, Caleb. <laughs> we'll get through this. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, I'm going to read episode two now because it's, it's really going to dig into why I don't like this episode. And I'm realizing some things that I do and don't like about science fiction. <laughs> Uh, episode 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you have anything else to say about episode 1? Nah, you're good. Other than the fact that like his assistants
1: are wearing just like lab coats and the doctor and the master shows up in a fucking radiation suit. He shows up in a radiation suit and the excuse he gives is, well, you never know, uh assistant B might have to might need help on a, at a moment's notice and I need to just like be ready to go in there to assist with him. But the actual reason is because a unit showed up to do an inspection and like so he needs something to cover his face uh anyways episode two the doctor interrupts the master's experiment but
0: realizes one of the workers has aged rapidly while the test went on the doctor realizes the test was the master's doing there's a bunch of obnoxious timey-wimey bullshit talk and the doctor realizes the master is trying to summon chronos which is the most fearsome of some monster called a chronovore after brainwashing some people and knocking some other people out, the master commences another test and summons a man named Crassus, who was a priest from the lost city of Atlantis. That is it, isn't it? It is. They spend, like, upwards of 15 fucking minutes of this episode with, like, fake time science talk. And uh, I, I and that's when I realized I like time travel when it's, like, mystical or, or magical, or just otherwise like, eh, I'm not going to fucking explain it. But when they're talking about interstitial time and layers of time on top of time molecules, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> just shut up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Talking about, uh, you know, you know what you're going to get when the Master arrives. I was like, calling it now, Kronos gets out of the Master's hands, and he needs the Doctor's help to stop him. And that kind of happens in episode six, but it went a lot longer than I thought it would before the master starts asking the doctor for help. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Like um, we were coming up on the end of episode six. I was like, wow, the master hasn't asked the doctor for, Oh, there it is. Ah, There it is. Yep. (laughs) Okay. So the experiment goes completely out of, out of hand. Assistant B gets aged 60 years over the course of a couple seconds. And that's when the doctor arrives to uh, stop the experiment. And Joe says, What's happening, Doctor? Are we too late? And the Doctor says, On the contrary, Joe, I think we're just in time. And I'm like, Doctor, a man just rapidly aged 60 years, I wouldn't say that's just in time. <laughs> I think that falls into the too late category. You're, that's not just in time. That's just too late, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, there's the reveal that um, Professor whatever... Thaskalos. Thaskalos. Is Greek for... You guessed it. Master. <laughs> wow, F- Fuck. It- like, dude, you know the doctor is, like, next door. Stop calling yourself sound, something that it means master. The, the doctor even makes the comment. He's like, he's like that arrogant fool. <laughs> Fucking hell. It's not just that the master is arrogant it's that he's arrogant and we have like receipts that (laughs) that show he should not be as arrogant as he is because of just how much he keeps losing (laughs) and that's the main problem with having the master be as frequent of an enemy as he is he is not intimidating at all anymore Mm -hmm. he was in terror of the autons not in this one
0: uh, yeah, that whole conversation as they were building up to, like, well, who is this Professor Thaskalos guy? Like, that internal screaming meme <laughs> <laughs> is going on in
1: my mind. And then the brigadier calls for uh, Captain Yates to, for, for backup. And, like, is basically going down a shopping list of, uh, yeah, can you bring this and this and this and this? And uh, pick up some milk on your way here. And he asks for anti-tank missiles. With kind of like a, well, better to have it and not need it kind of <laughs> kind of attitude. And I don't think they're brought up, like, at all.
0: Yeah, I need some anti-tank missiles.
1: And you never know. We might need to wipe out civilization or two. Uh, bring me a nuclear bomb. <laughs> it's just, it's Chekhov's anti-tank missiles. And I don't know why. I guess it makes the explosion a little bit bigger when, like... When something blows up. Something but... blows up later. But, like, it's not big enough, in my opinion. If the anti-tank missiles were there and you get and the bomb goes off, it should have been a bigger explosion and more people should have died. Uh, but, anyway, that, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyway. You are, Mac. Jeez. Let's get into this 15-minute conversation about time. Well, one thing I did like about that 15-minute conversation about time is that he talks about how he was... There was one time in which he was caught outside of time, and it was a place where nothing really existed, and it was, everything was shifting. And I, I feel like he was referencing the time, the mind robber, but then he starts talking about chronovores, and I'm like, I don't think there were any chronovores in the mind robber, so what are you talking about? <laughs> I was sure first talking about the mind robber, or if time was talking about
0: that moment, I think it was Inferno, when the TARDIS, like, tries to leave.
1: Maybe. And, and he has that kind of Fever dream sequence? Maybe. (laughs) That's what I thought he was talking about. Then he starts talking about Atlantis and the Atlanteans and how they were such a much more advanced civilization. And I was a little unclear, are the Greek gods real or not? Because it seemed to imply that, at least in this conversation, that the Atlanteans like created the idea of the Greek pantheon. In order to, like, uh, explain shit that they were actually doing. And I'm like, did they create the myth of the Greek gods and then just sold it really fucking well to the people in the mainland one day and it suddenly became the basis of their entire religion? Because later on in this story, you see Atlanteans, like, revering these gods and titans. And I'm like, so are they... Did you make them up or not Atlantis? <laughs> <laughs> Be consistent. Also, are you the same Atlantis from the Underwater
0: Menace? Please check yes or no. Or the Atlantis that the Azazel guy destroyed? <laughs> How many Atlantises are there? <laughs> the canon of the show
1: is fucked. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, although I I do kind of I'm kind of okay with this Atlantis thing because like this is clearly at the downfall of Atlantis, and then centuries later, the Second Doctor will visit Atlantis in the Underwater Menace. I guess. I guess I'll tolerate it. <laughs> where the where the demons come in, I have I have no fucking clue. But then the Doctor starts just going on this tirade about Kronos and time travel and the TARDIS and blah 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 blah. blah. And Assistant A, the straw feminist one, just kind of really accepts everything the doctor has said, like, at mm-hmm. face value. And I'm like, you have no proof, and you're a scientist and also seem to hate all men, so why, why are you going along with this so easy? Well, he's not a normal
0: man. He's not
1: condescending. He's in a fancy jacket. <laughs> and then he'll be condescending later. Because he kind of just is to yeah, all, all females around him. <laughs> I I would argue that this doctor, at is kind of condescending to everyone. He is definitely condescending to everyone, but I don't know. The way he's condescending to the females around him still makes me icky. That's true. So Okay, so Ben is guarding the tom tit.
0: <laughs> Fuck. God damn it. I forgot about it.
1: <laughs> Benton's guarding the Tom Tit, and the master needs Benton to leave so that he can go into the Tom Tit and start adjusting the Tom Tit. Uh, and so what he does is he calls the laboratory phone—you know, the phone that's in the same laboratory as the Tom Tit—and he talks to Benton in just, man, a really solid brigadier impression. <laughs> It's really fucking weird that he's just, like, perfectly able to imitate the Brigadier's voice. I'm like, have you always been able to just mimic people's voices? How have you not used that up to this point? <laughs> is it just the Brigadier? Have you just been working really hard on this impression and you're really proud of it? But he tells Benton to just, you know, uh, go over here for just, like, a minute. Suck it up and deal with it. And it's at this point, I'm like, the Master is the Master of Disguise. And Unit is constantly after him, and really, the Unit base is just, like, a couple miles that way. If you were assuming the role of the professor, you wouldn't have to sneak around so much if you were wearing one of your disguises, and I'm not entirely sure why he's not. Because he looks just so fucking evil as just the default.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we haven't seen him even try, really try a disguise in a good hot minute.
1: Yeah, when when was the last time he used a disguise? I think the last time he used a disguise was when he made someone else look like him, and then he <laughs> drove away on the boat in the Sea Devils. Yeah, and the time before that, he took off the disguise basically immediately. Benton says that the phone call was the oldest trick in the book, and because he, like, came back into the lab knowing that it was the master. Then he falls for the, oh, look over there, trick. And then the master has the absolute banger line, that's the oldest trick in the book. I'm like, yeah, no. Kind of got a point. Point to the Master. That was fucking stupid, Benton. And then the episode ends with what I think it thinks is a cliffhanger. Because, like, we've seen a couple of scenes with this Atlantean priest. So, like, we know that he's not Kronos. And the episode ends with the Master summoning Kronos, air quotes. And then the priest appears. And then it, like, plays the ending music like a cliffhanger. Like, it's not... We know he didn't just summon Kronos. The cliffhanger is that that the Master failed in what he was trying to do. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, And I think that's why I don't, uh, again, why I don't like this episode. I feel like there's literally no tension at all. Yeah. And part of it is just the predictability of the Master. I know the Master's going to fail. There's no fucking way he's going to succeed because he hasn't ever. Yeah. What he's trying to do is not surprising. He's trying to destroy the universe or take control of it. Things like, he
1: summons people we've already met. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like there's no tension in this episode. Yeah, it's really weird because, like, the Master has a working TARDIS. I'm not sure why it is he wanted to pull some dude from 10,000 years ago when he could have just, like, popped over. (laughs) Yeah. Be like, hey, come with me. I'm summoning Kronos. I don't know. Seems like a couple of unnecessary steps. Get in, bitches. We're summoning Kronos. <laughs> and I suppose if there's one phrase that perfectly encapsulates the master, it's. Seems like a couple of unnecessary steps. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long trip to a short drink of water. <laughs> Basically. I have no more notes. Nah, yeah, go ahead. The, the, the more we're talking about it, the more like, this is going to drop in my ranking. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Episode 3. The Master runs
0: another test and successfully summons Kronos, which is a big stupid bird, I guess. Time slows around the facility as this happens, and only the Doctor is unaffected. Kronos returns to its crystal, and the Master learns from Crassus that he only possesses a piece of the whole crystal. The rest of it resides in the Vaults of Atlantis. Cut to Atlantis, where you see some dudes talking about a bigger crystal and the horrible monster that guards it. After saving everyone from the slowdown, the Doctor invents his own bizarre device that skips through time, and they
1: accidentally bring a German bomb to the present, and it blows up Yates. The more I'm thinking about it, the more frustrated I am that so much of the Master's plan, like, so many steps of it could have been solved with the TARDIS, but instead Mm -hmm. he decided to infiltrate this university with inferior technology and use it to, like, draw things to him... As opposed to just using his TARDIS to mm-hmm. go to them, so that no, I have about the plot actually starting in episode five is correct. <laughs> the plot starts in episode five because that's when they finally use the TARDIS to go somewhere, <laughs> and then I'm just assuming I'm picturing this this production meeting, right, of the Time Monster, and they go to like. I don't know who would be in charge of this, whether it's a costume designer or something else. But they're like, all right, we need to come up with the design for the Titan Kronos. He's an absolute lord of not only the Greek gods, but of time himself. His very presence will drive people mad and he will eat the very time around him and destroy the entire universe. What have you got me got for me? They're like, ah, say no more. Makes a dude in a ghost sheet flap his wings a bunch. (laughs) The best I can do is paper mache bird. (laughs) (laughs) That's because when I think Kronos, I think a pure white bird thing that's just constantly cawing at the top of its lungs and just flapping its arms.
0: (laughs) And the producer goes, "That's stupid." And then they re- they reply with, "We'll fix it in post." And he goes, "Okay," because it, because it, it is like changing colors and like doing all kinds of weird video editing stuff. It's
1: like we'll fix it in post. And he goes, "What's post? <laughs> What's post?" <laughs> yeah, but like I'm pretty sure I could see the wires anytime he has the Chronos just like flying around the room. It. This titan of time really just feels like they left the window open and a bird got in and it's like panicking and not being able to get out. <laughs> like, and keep in mind that this is the most powerful of
0: the chronovores, the time eaters. This is the most powerful one. I'm not very intimidated. I feel like I could take one in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but that isn't the full power of Kronos. That's only a fraction of his infinite capability. Apparently. Because the master's crystal is too small. Kronos
1: can barely even feel that crystal. <laughs> Kronos can't even tell if that crystal is in yet. <laughs> Should we give Kronos the uh, the award for stupidest looking monster? I feel like it's been passed that that reward has been passed around a lot. But I'm really struggling to think of something that looks dumber than Kronos. I feel like it's been passed around a lot in this Doctor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say
0: yes there are bad there are very bad designs but we haven't seen an enemy this poorly executed since the first doctor
1: yeah at least in the first doctor i could be like they had no budget the budget was paper mache yeah because like you could make an argument for like the weird ass like gargoyle putty thing in the daemons or the crotons or how all the yetis look like grimace or all of that is perfectly valid but the fact that chronos is just this stupid looking and he's supposed to be the titan of time just kind of adds to it 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 feels low effort yeah boy howdy i don't like this story (laughs) and it's it's really funny because the master summons the master summons chronos into this world and he like closes the door to the other half of his lab and Kronos is just like flapping around in the, in there and the priest is like, what if he gets out? And Master's like, oh, he's not going anywhere. And I'm like, so is it is it signs rules? He's traveled through vast distances of space and time as a god among gods and just can't get the hang of doorknobs. <laughs> I didn't see any
0: Fingers on that wing costume. (laughs) Is he going to flap the door open? (laughs) You got me. My god, he's he's an eater of time. The titan of the cosmos is held back by door handles. If only the universe had a door handle. (laughs) If only.
1: I do like the idea that Kronos has been uh, banished to the realms in between time uh, for so long. And... I do really like the idea that it's not like he was actually locked there or something. It's just that there is an actual door between this dimension and the other one. Trapped forever. <laughs> and they showed earlier in this story, with thanks to Bessie, that they were very perfectly capable of speeding up footage in order to imply that it's going faster. Can't slow it down. They can't slow it down because, like, they just they just have the actors just like just like slowly bay watching it across the, across the university campus, and then the doctor like runs in and like pulls them back. The feminist is trying a little bit, very badly, but um the brigadier is just running in place. Yeah, Nicholas courtney <laughs> is not uh, not putting in the effort. not putting in the effort. I. Maybe it's just me. Nicholas Courtney seemed to like also be like, "This is dumb." I just got that mm. vibe from the actor <laughs> during this story of just like, "Uh huh." Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I guess it's a good time to bring up because this is the first time I really thought it, and then I continued thinking it. The more they got introduced, all the side characters and like just the kind of like guest actors were all fucking terrible. A <laughs> little bit. Like, some of the worst performances I've seen on the
1: show yet. I mean, I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong, because they were pretty bad. Do you have a specific example, though?
0: He hasn't been... Well, I think he hasn't been introduced in, like, another scene, but, uh... Habeas? Is that his name? Yeah, Hippias. Hippias. He is fucking atrocious. I also don't think the feminist lady is very good, especially in this time scene. But she's just, like, passively bad, or I'm like, nah, she's just not very good. And then Hippias is actually god awful
1: <laughs> yeah because hippias is like a um he works part-time at the uh poseidon temple down in the depths of the temple there is the actually big crystal uh that is actually there to summon Kronos. and like now he's the he's the main protector of it i guess and like it's explained that through this gateway is an area in which there is a guardian of the crystal The Guardian is a person no longer. Half man, half beast. And I was like, Minotaur, got it. I wonder what it could be. It's a a, a Minotaur, I understand. Yep, cool. (laughs) Get back to him. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, I kind of hate that I came up with the idea of making these Doctor Who abridged things because I'm just, (laughs) I'm really, really more hyper aware of all the scenes that i would cut <laughs> than normal because like the master is trying to like fiddle with the tom tit and uh try and get chronos under control or summon him again i don't know i the master's plan doesn't make any sense because he's like yes i have finally summoned chronos and now i have him under my control and i'm keeping him in this room why can't i control him I'm like didn't you just whatever and, like, he's fiddling with his knobs on the tom tit. You know how it is. And then the doctor across campus makes, like... it. He makes a dumb. I don't know how to describe it other than he makes a dumb. It's like they just grabbed things from around the set to try and make this device that's supposed to, like, fuck with the master's tom tit. And it's, like, a wine bottle with the cork and then it has some stuff sticking out of the cork and then uh and then it has some like wires and shit sticking out of the things that are sticking out of the cork and he like spins it around and it just kind of goes around and nothing happens and then he takes a cup of tea drains the tea and then puts the cup on top of the thing and then spins it around again and lights start flashing in order to stop the master from doing whatever he's doing because apparently this that's what this is gonna do then the master pushes the no button and all of a sudden the mas- the doctor's device doesn't work anymore and I'm like how much of my life was just, just went by
0: <laughs> yup <laughs> My God! Remember all that timey-wimey bullshit
1: I was talking about. <laughs> but I think my favorite part about this, though, is that the Doctor is like is making this device, and the Brigadier is just like in the background the entire time, just like this is fucking dumb. This is easily the stupidest thing we've ever done. And everybody's just like, just let the Master work. You have to have faith. And Brigadier's like, no, this is fucking dumb and then the device starts working and I like that the brigadier doesn't change his mind (laughs) he's just like in the background like yeah I recognize that the machine works now that doesn't make the machine any less dumb
0: (laughs) it's still dumb I still don't understand how a missile strike was not a faster
1: approach oh god now that I'm really thinking about it I'm like wow this really is a really bad episode isn't it okay it's fucking terrible (laughs) <laughs> and then the unit backup is on its way you know the one with yates and the anti-tank missiles that will definitely be used a lot and the master uses the Tomtit in order to summon different things from, from different periods of time in order to stop the convoy and the first thing he summons is a jousting knight on horseback and and first of all the knight is just like cool with it and just starts charging the cars <laughs> definitely doesn't
0: have any form of psychosis for being pulled out of his time <laughs> period point to one with
1: fucking driving metal monsters and, and then once the like the cars like go off the road because they didn't want to hit this dude who's on a horse And so the soldiers like getting out and pushing to the game back on the road. And then he uses the Tom tit again to summon like 17th century soldiers who are in a line and have like muskets. And I'm just like, theoretically master, you could pull anything from any period of time. And you chose a knight on horseback and, 17th century soldiers and not say for example a futuristic tank or a death ray and like if he brought the, if he brought a tank to stop them at least that would give them an excuse to use the anti tank missiles <laughs> <laughs> or like he could have pulled Daleks or something I don't know something that's a threat not a dude on a horse and some guys with some muskets <laughs> like, <laughs> And and then he pulls like a World War Two drone strike bomb thing. Which is better. Which is I guess. better and like it makes the convoy explode and like the big cliffhanger on this episode is like, Oh my god, Yates is dead because he just blew the fuck up And first of all, he should be. He absolutely should be dead. This would because it was kind of a really cool scene where, like, the Brigadier is, like, shouting into his radio, telling Yates to get out of there. Um, But, like, it's crack, but, like, the radio is crackling, and they can barely hear each other. And um, uh, the Brigadier is just, like, shouting for Yates to, for Captain Captain Yates to uh, evacuate. And then the bomb goes off, and there's a huge explosion, and the Brigadier is like, Captain Yates! Captain Yates! Mike, are you there?! And, like, that's the first time that the Brigadier's ever called any of his soldiers by their first name. And, like, it's a really... It'd be a really cool scene implying that the Brigadier actually does care about his men. If Yates had actually died here. But they just kind of, like... Spoilers for the very top of the next episode, I guess. But, like, they just kind of jumped out of their cars and are fine. Even though they have an anti-tank missile... And, like, if they were hit by a German bomber, those tank missiles should have gone up even more. And, gosh, wouldn't it be really cool if, like, the Brigadier specifically requested the anti-tank missiles, and it was because of that request that one of his most trusted soldiers died under his command, and he was powerless to stop it, and he was actually, like, an almost direct cause of it? That would have been a really cool moment for the Brigadier. Uh, no. No, Yates is fine. Don't worry, guys.
0: <laughs> because, Mac, you're pretending that this episode is intelligent and planned anything.
1: Uh, it would have been a really cool moment for the Brigadier, b-
0: but oh well. <laughs> I was not as invested the whole time it was going on. I was like, it's going to blow up. He's going to be fine. They're not going to fucking kill Yates. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. And I knew that, too. And that that's that's what made me the most mad. I was like, this could have been really cool. I wish that there was actual, like, stakes. <laughs>
0: At this point, I'm jaded and I've given up on the concept of stakes or anything good happening in this episode. I've already lost all hope.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm starting to lose hope, too. And I'm like, when I was doing my ranking, I was like, I would say the time monster is about on the same level as the daemons. Except that this one doesn't doesn't end with the enemy being defeated by the power of love. So it's like automatically better. But now I'm like, (sighs) ah. i think it needs to go down a couple of pegs
0: (laughs) (laughs) this episode is terrible it will definitely be in my bottom five if it's not the worst episode
1: of the doctor it's not it's not worse than the claws of axos in my opinion but that's that's just me
0: Uh, the claws of axos is four episodes though (laughs) (laughs) on that note episode four episode four the bomb didn't hurt anyone in the convoy the doctor and joe hop aboard the tardis and land inside the masters creating a time paradox there is even more timey-wimey talk with characters you are not going to see again until the end of the story. The Master freezes them all in place and escapes. Aboard his TARDIS, the Master banners with the Doctor and controls him into leaving his TARDIS. Once he's inside the Master's TARDIS, the Master sticks Kronos on him and sends him into the time void. With his nemesis out of the way, the Master intends to send Joe there as well. Yeah, this is definitely the most nothing episode out of all of them, which is saying a lot. Now, th- th- this is one of the two moments I like. I actually like the little standoff, because, like, the Doctor lands in the Master's TARDIS, mm-hmm. and that creates a paradox where he leaves his TARDIS and goes into the Master's, and then when he leaves the Master's TARDIS, he goes back into his. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, caught in a spatial time loop. So, so like, they're, they're kind of having, like, this, like, standoff over Skype, and i I don't know i thought that was cool it's the first moment of the episode i've enjoyed i have watched a fucking hour and 10 (laughs) minutes of this story to get to a part i like but before that there is like 15 more minutes of like the fucking lab assistants talking about time and benton turns into a fucking baby and
1: time freezes it's painful yeah because like benton has his hand like on the tom tit while they're while they're pushing buttons on the tom tit and uh then like bent like affected by it and he turns into a baby and like <laughs> it's dumb but funny i don't know <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pointless is what it is like we don't need to focus on this at all but
0: it yeah it's fucking pointless and I, so much of this is just set up for the master to
1: leave when he can just do it yeah at any fucking point <laughs> Like they establish early on that the master's TARDIS is inside his lab, and I think they just like forget. You that. can <laughs> you can see it in the background in half the shots. Yeah, it's like it's like the taking the form of like a computer or something like that, mm-hmm. like a 1970s big like server computer, which is like cool. But like I feel like they keep forgetting that the tar- <laughs> that there's a TARDIS in the same room. Like the writers are like, oh yeah, there's a thing we can use. And also something that really bugged me about this episode. The subtitles for I don't know if you fig- if you had these had this glitch. The oh subtitles yeah, I just turned the ep- them off. Yeah, the subtitles for the episode started at the beginning of the theme song, so like it was always out of sync. The subtitles are always a couple minutes ahead of yeah what's actually. Been said. <laughs> so not even like a couple of seconds where like it's popping up right before the sale line. It's like two minutes ahead. Yeah, so. I had to turn the uh, subtitles off for this episode specifically. And I was like, how can I be expected to hear without subtitles? (laughs) (laughs) I turned them off. I didn't really care. I gave up on uh, caring what people were actually fucking saying a long time (laughs) ago. (laughs) There was, there was a moment that I really did like about this. So the doctor is, he knows he's about to go into the master's TARDIS and he's going to be dealing with a fucking Titan. The shit's about to get like some of the most dangerous he's ever been in. And he encourages Joe to not come come along, but Joe is like, no, I'm coming. I am still coming aboard because it's my job uh, to assist you, and uh, I'm going to stick to it. And they both just kind of like have a moment of just like saluting each other. I was like, welcome aboard then. And uh, it was a cute moment. I like that moment a lot. Uh, It just feels like the doctor has actually had like a full trust in Joe now, and I appreciate that. Sure. So basically what the Tom Tit does is that it, like, takes, like, the space between moments of time and then, like, reaches through and pulls things out. So, like, you can pull things from the future. And uh, when the TARDISes take off, the doctor says that they're going through the Tom Tit gap. And I was like, good on John Pertwee for being able to say the phrase Tom Tit gap. With with a straight face. (laughs) We're slipping through that time, (laughs) pussy. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, something that really bothers me is that it seems like the Master's TARDIS hasn't taken off. Like, it's still in the lab. But it also looks like it's inside the Doctor's TARDIS. And it's like it's in two places at once. And I'm not sure I understand why. And I don't know if it was just the writers forgot, oh yeah, the TARDIS isn't supposed to be there, or what. But, like, the TARDIS is clearly both in the lab and also inside the Doctor's TARDIS. It's also great
0: because in episode 6, they mentioned that TARDISes cannot exist in two places at once, or bad time things will happen. Yeah. You know, like that thing that's happening in this episode, right this fucking second. Oh,
1: god. Oh, I just looked at my next note, I forgot about this. So... The doctor's TARDIS takes off and lands inside the Master's TARDIS, and it's obviously like a super bumpy ride because it's not supposed to be what it's not supposed to happen. And Joe lands on the floor; and she like gets thrown from the, co- the console and lands on the floor. And the doctor is like, oh asks God. if uh, if she hurt her coccyx, and she's like, my what? She's like, you know, your coccyx, your tailbone. And she's like, no, my coccyx is fine. And she's, or like, hurt, my coccyx, hurt, coccyx hurts a little bit. And then like the master comes on the screen and says I'm sorry to hear about your coccyx, coccyx my dear. I'm like, please stop saying the word coccyx. I'm begging you.
0: <laughs> See, at this point I'm like, this is great. <laughs> and then they have this little standoff because like, the master wants the doctor to leave the TARDIS so he can kill him. The doctor's just trying to convince the Master not to destroy the whole universe to control it. I said I like this moment. I vaguely like this moment. Because it's the first time in the whole fucking four episodes this has been going on that the Master and the Doctor have seen each other. Or interacted, even remotely. I like the moment where the Doctor has to use his wits. Uh This part gets very stupid because the Master just mutes the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically like... he'll he'll do this because he has to have the last word. And I really just wanted the
1: doctor to stop talking and then wait for the master to talk. So he would fucking unmute him. (laughs) I actually kind of love that because the master is 100% correct. (laughs) Because the doctor does exactly what the master says he's going to (laughs) do. Yeah, the doctor can't not ramble at someone. The moment he's unmuted, he's like, what the, what the fuck? You can't just do that. I'm I'm smart and you should listen to what I say. And so, like, he does leave the TARDIS so that he can talk to the Master more. And I'm like, <laughs> I hate that that worked. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and then
0: the Master's just fucking awesome. He's like, Kronos, get that guy. Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm not really sure what the Doctor thought was going to happen otherwise. Well, he seems to. Be 100% aware that it's like, yeah, no, the moment I walk out those doors, I'm probably going to die. But I really got to keep hearing myself talk, so I'm going to walk out those doors. <laughs> I've got a really good point. <laughs> I've got a good zinger. It's a really good zinger. Hold on for a second. <laughs> it, it, it just might save us all. And it doesn't.
0: I can absolutely buy the concept that the doctor thinks he can talk his way out of getting the universe destroyed, though.
1: Yeah. Especially when, like, the master has proven that he is 100% on board with being the ruler of dust and rubble. Because so many of his plans are more along the lines of, I'm going to destroy everything. And no, no one will be around to tell me that I'm not ruler of the world. So now I'm ruler of the world.
0: Yeah. And I do like this moment because I feel like it's one of the only reasons I really like this moment is I kind of feel like for once we actually see the master being like callously evil. Yeah. Um, because he comes, the doctor comes out, the master just wastes no time, awesome, And then Joe is like upset and she's like, what are you going to do to me? Just get it over with. Uh, and
1: he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. She, she says, I don't care what happens to me. You've already killed the doctors. Just kill me too, and and I believe his exact words, or your wish is my command. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, if you really want it, I
0: mean, your words, not mine. I did like that. I don't like virtually anything else. And then this <laughs> this story's already off the fucking rails. It's gonna go even more off the rails in the next two episodes. Yeah. On that note, on that note, episode five, the doctor uses his telepathic connection to the TARDIS to instruct Joe on how to bring him back. They follow the master's trail and end up in Atlantis, five episodes into the fucking story. (coughs) The master arrives in Atlantis before them and tries to flex his power. The king, Dalios, is unconvinced, but his queen is thirsty for the master. The master tries to hypnotize Dalios, but the man laughs at his tricks. Joe and the doctor arrive and are instantly arrested. Joe gets a new getup and an extreme amount of hair extensions. The master woos Galea, and she agrees to help him get the crystal. She tells him it is underground, deep within a maze, guarded by the Minotaur. Joe tries to follow Hippias as he retrieves the
1: crystal, but is subsequently thrown into the maze by Crassus. So Kronos attacks the doctor and not only like, kills him, but like scatters his very being throughout the spaces in between time. He starts to, like, able to telepathically communicate with Joe, and uh, she wants to know how she can save him, and the doctor's like, no, you can't save me. Anyway, here's instructions on which buttons to push so you can save me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But, like, she does, like, hit some buttons, and then the doctor just kind of, like, materializes inside the TARDIS, and he's just, like, sitting on the floor... With his, like, his knees up to his chest. And it's like, there's something kind of sad and pathetic of seeing the doctor just, like, in that pose. Basically in a
0: fetal position. Yeah,
1: it's like a sitting fetal position. Yeah. It's kind of sad and off-putting seeing him like that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I do appreciate the break glass in case of time
1: void button. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Is that something that happens often enough that you need a specific button for it?
0: Uh, well, I mean there there there's a button for like going too far back in time. There's a button for <laughs> time voids, there's a button for there's a button for everything on the Tardis.
1: And the Tardis knows it and then doesn't tell anyone. <laughs> and then we cut over to Atlantis and there's like a court being held for the king, and queen and all of his uh, major lords. And is it hippo that uh, that pe- speaks up? Yeah, because he's just like I'm going to I'm going to summarize this this scene right here. Hippo was like, may I speak plainly, my king? King says, of course. Hippo goes,
0: fuck you. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, that is the sentiment of it. But my God, this is the fucking worst delivered, clunkiest, most awkward speech I have ever seen in this show. Yeah, basically. The delivery is terrible. I'm not, I do not myself as an actor but when i'm watching the show i'm like i can fucking do better than this come on <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give him some credit and just assume that he's not a bad actor he's just very uncomfortable because he's wearing a towel around his waist and basically nothing else yeah basically
1: uh i would also give a stilted awkward speech if i thought my dick was gonna swing out at any moment <laughs> he basically he basically says yeah back when we were able to summon chronos things were good and we had like crops and shit And now we don't have anything and people are starving and it's kind of all your fault, king. So what the fuck are you going to do about it? And then the king basically responds with, look, it's better when things are shittier. okay? when we had an abundance and then we didn't have an abundance, people got resentful. So as long as we don't have an abundance of uh, goods and services, we're totally fine. You guys just need to appreciate an honest day's work, is basically what the king was saying. <laughs> it's like, You should be grateful that things are really shitty for everyone. And then the Master's TARDIS lands in the middle of the court. The Master's TARDIS works how a TARDIS is supposed to work. It adapts to its surroundings to blend in. So why does this one still look like a computer from 1972 in the middle of this Atlantis court? Budgets. Oh, right, budgets. I forgot. And the master arrives, and he's like, "Like, yep, I can summon your god. Worship me. And then the queen is just fucking into she it. She is just man. horny on main for the master.
0: First off, straight Caleb has to come out for a second and let everyone know that this lady is hot. Yeah. Yeah, she is. And the costume designer has
1: her breasts on full display. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> as plunging of a neckline as they could get away with in a 1970s kids car kids show it is it is no longer defined as a neckline at that point (laughs) yeah when you can kind of see a person's belly button it's not really a neckline (laughs) (laughs) she's just like super horny for the master and i'm just like but why though
0: (laughs) yeah i know i know that because like she stands. i mean he she's like what does she say she's like he has the uh he is the standing of a god it's like
1: does he though mm, does he it seems to me like he's trying too hard but all right <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you do you lady and then the master has a private audience with the king and the master does his normal like widening eyes i'm like you will obey me and then the king is like you ain't shit get out of here <laughs> and then doesn't even have to do it on the queen <laughs> yeah he doesn't have to do it on the queen because she's already like yeah i'll call you master whatever i'm down (laughs) Uh, then like because he just tried to control the king's mind and it didn't work the king calls for the guards to arrest the master and take him away as the master is being taken away the doctor and joe are being brought to the king and the master's like what i scattered your atoms around time how are you still alive and uh, he's just like, he's uh, like, uh, 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 and the doctor's like, can't think of anything to say. And then Joe says, "How about curses foiled again?" <laughs> that made me laugh.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> I like it when Joe's smug and condescending. <laughs> She's learning. She thinks that with
1: the doctor too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So there's the king who has been who has like been in power for like a hundred years because he has an extended life because Atlantis bullshit. But hippo is in love with the queen. And at one point she was promised to him, but then she was promised to the king instead. And Hippo still is in love with the queen, but the queen is like, Hippo is weak. You cannot, you cannot be my consort, but this master is strong. And I'm like, this is a lot of court drama to throw on us at the last third of the story. Mm -hmm. Why wasn't this earlier? If you're going to focus on it this much, (laughs) Yeah, it really feels like we just went into a completely different story starting in episode five.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh,
1: and also, really, Queen? Really? Really?
0: really? Hippious? You,
1: are you sure about that? Your taste in men is fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's confusing at the very least.
0: And uh, I don't want to come off as shallow. Go for it. But if you're gonna have costumes where men are gonna be in towels and that is their costume, maybe find some muscly dudes. Maybe <laughs> have someone who can like pull it off, you know, because it's just dad bods and towels <laughs> and it's really unputting, off putting the whole fucking time it's there.
1: <laughs> but then Joe is basically confined to this room with one of the queen's handmaidens, also the queen man. Queen's handmaiden has, like, a crush on Hippo for some reason. I don't know why. I'm also confused yeah. by Hippo's, like, vaguely
0: Egyptian makeup
1: yeah. design. Like, aren't they supposed to be near Greece? Isn't that this whole thing? It, it, it all feels very Egyptian. It Yeah, it definitely feels more Egyptian, but, like, with, like, a little bit of Greek, Greek just, like, sprinkled over the top. I almost said a little bit of Greece just <laughs> sprinkled over the top. And I was like, that sounds wrong anyway but uh joe is planning on escaping from her room just to listen in on the queen and the masters conversation and she's like talking with the handmaiden and uh she says i'll be as quiet as a do they have mice in atlantis yes and that's that's what i'll be as quiet as (laughs) (laughs) that that was also a funny line i liked that
0: line (laughs) joe's got some zingers Mac is not bringing up the fucking mountain
1: of hair extensions Joe has on, Jesus fucking Christ, what the hell was that hair? Like, it looks good on her, but also, she had, like, a bob a second ago. (laughs) Yeah,
0: so she's got a bob, so her hair is, like, to her chin, max. And then she comes out and just fucking, like, her hair is, like, down
1: to her waist. Down to her waist, and, like, it's also, like, brought up into, like, a... a, Like a beehive. Like a beehive on top of her head, and then, like, dreads down to the her back and i'm like like this it's cool it's a cool haircut it's just obviously not possible with what (laughs) what she had before which the brigadier so gratefully brings up at the end of episode six when he's like what the fuck are you wearing (laughs) (laughs) yeah she's also like dressed in a in like an atlantean gown and and it looks really cool but i guess they lose their fashion sense at some point in history because i'm just picturing the underwater menace, where they just kind of took leotards and just went down to the local sea gift shop and just pasted shells onto
0: it. <laughs> Listen, you lose a lot of things when your culture is devastated by the Doctor, including your fashion <laughs> sense. <laughs> uh,
1: and then you know they go down into the in, to where the uh, the crystal is, and oh look, it's a Minotaur. Uh... Ah it's a really, really bad looking Minotaur. Yeah Like it's... holy shit this is this is such a fucking lazy paper mache head on to, on top of a dude's body Minotaur. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Anyways, episode
0: six. Episode six <laughs> Let's get this over with. Hippias saves Joe but is immediately off by the Minotaur. The doctor then actually saves Joe, and the two find the crystal, but Crassus appears and takes it from them. The two are brought before the Master, who has taken control of the city. He uses the crystal to summon Kronos, and things quickly go out of hand. Both Time Lords escape, with Joe being taken by the Master. The Doctor threatens to... Time-ram the Master, which would kill all of them but prevents Kronos from causing universal devastation. When the Doctor hesitates, Joe hits a button and the two TARDISes collide. They appear on another plane of existence and encounter Kronos in her true form. She agrees to let them go, but wants to keep the Master for endless torture. The Doctor insists Kronos frees the Master, though, and it... agrees? For some reason? Lo and behold, the Master escapes and the two return to Earth,
1: where a naked Benton asks them what is going on. So speaking of that... Also, side note, a time ram. Absolutely a Time Lord sex move. Anyway, (laughs) speaking of that really not intimidating Minotaur... So he's just kind of, like, chasing after whoever's nearby, whether it's Joe or Hippo or the doctor. And then I guess he kills Hippo. I think I blinked and missed that. But then the doctor does, like, a Toro kind of thing and makes him ram into a wall, and now he's dead. (laughs) Yep. And when I say he kills Hippo, I mean, he, like, pushes him
0: over, and then Hippo doesn't get up again.
1: Yeah. But I'm glad that we were able to get rid of that Minotaur in less than four minutes, Because otherwise, this eternal guardian that men tremble at the sight of and has killed countless of warriors over the centuries would have been vaguely threatening. God forbid we have that. Yeah, I mean, we got the whole rest of this thrilling episode to get to. Coincidentally, the wall that the Minotaur crashes into is also leads into the chamber where the big crystal is. I'm like, what are the fucking odds? My God. So the master and his men take the big crystal and the master's like, yes. I have taken control of Atlantis. I have overthrown the king. And I'm like, we're just gonna have that entire coup happen off-screen, huh? Just... All of it is just... Yes, while you were gone in the caves for four minutes, I successfully took over their entire government. Yep. There's a scene that I really, really liked, and I was like, Caleb's gonna hate this scene, but... The Doctor and Joe are taken captive and, like, thrown in a dungeon. And Joe is very, like, feeling helpless and, like, we've lost. And in order to kind of, like, cheer her up, the Doctor tells her a story from when he was younger. And it was like he had heard about this this monk. Not the monk, but, like, a monk that lived on a uh, home planet, like, that lived at this top of a hill. And the doctor was, like, so confused because he saw all this gray nothing surrounding the monk. And he's like, yes, he the monk, like, hey, what's the meaning of life? And the monk's just, like, stone-faced, just points at this tiny little flower that's sticking out of a rock. And uh, the doctor's like, a flower is not the source, is not the meaning of life. And he, like, goes and then he, like, starts seeing, like, the beauty in everything. And, like, the the gray rocks were no longer gray there were mixes of several different hues and he started depreciating like all these different all these different things that he never really noticed before and trying to see the beauty in what was and what was normally a very hostile or drab environment and i really really liked that story and i think it does a good job of like Showing what the mas- how the master views the universe, and maybe that's why one of the reasons why he travels so much is because he wants to see as much beauty in the cracks as he possibly can. And while I was watching that scene, I was like, "Caleb's gonna hate this scene." <laughs> yep. <laughs> Boy, howdy! Am
0: I that predictable, Mac? After a while, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Maybe in a different story, I would have appreciated this a bit more. Maybe if it happened earlier. But
1: I'm so fucking tired. <laughs> These last two episodes kind of show how it could have been good if this is what the story had been focusing on the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the most frustrating thing about this story, I think. Yeah, I'm just frustrated. While we've been talking, I've brought I brought it down further down in my ranking. <laughs> has it cracked the bottom half yet it actually didn't because i think there's enough there's enough good moments in the last third that i'm i'm willing to give it a couple points my number five slot right now is the mutants and that's the one that needs to be beaten (laughs) so (laughs) it's kind of hard
0: yeah for me i'm like well, well one it's we're into the actual plot five episodes in and it's worse (laughs) <laughs> uh, God, I fucking hate all the Atlantis bullshit. I don't, I don't like it. I'm tired of watching people be in robes. <laughs> yeah, I I can't stand this episode. Uh, And then the only other good moment in the whole story happens at the end of this episode and is
1: immediately turned into a terrible moment. <laughs> I'm curious to know what, what that moment is, but um, I do like how the Master summons Kronos and... Again, every time he's summoned Kronos, he doesn't have control over him. And for some reason, now that he's summoning Kronos this time, he's like, oh, yeah, I got this. Uh, but all that happens is that Kronos just goes fucking apeshit and mm-hmm. destroys, and is starting to destroy Atlantis. And like, the master captures Joe and just like, all right, bye, and goes into his TARDIS and leaves. And then the doctor's like, like, pleads with the queen to uh, to um, set him free, and she does. And the doctor's like, all right, bye, and then goes into the TARDIS and leaves. <laughs> and it's like, eh, they'll be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I know for a fact,
1: because I've been there at a later period in time, that this is not the real destruction of Atlantis. <laughs> there will be Atlanteans that survive this. Maybe not a lot, but there will be. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, on a technicality, I mean, I didn't set, I didn't start Rome, I didn't burn Rome. Master, the master burned down this Rome. This one was (laughs) not on me. (laughs) I was just here and did nothing about it. (laughs) I'm not going to kill you, but also I don't have to save you.
0: So they, after the fucking time ram fiasco, and Joe valiantly tries to
1: sacrifice her life to save the universe. But, But right before we get to that, though. The master has Joe in his TARDIS and he's like warped away and he's like, I think we've seen the last of the doctor buried forever under the ruins of Atlantis. I'm like, your complete and total lack of pattern recognition is actually sad at this point. Find a body. (laughs) Yeah. See a body. Double tap it and then say that you beat him. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay.
1: That's the last I've seen of him because I have no object permanence. If I don't see it, it doesn't (laughs) exist. He really has no object permanence, and it's really frustrating. The master is an ADHD icon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, we get to the time ram thing, and earlier on in the story, it was kind of implied that if two TARDISes occupy the exact same space at the exact same time, it'll, like, tear apart reality. But... Now it seems more like it'll just destroy the tardises and the people inside of it. I'm kind of confused as to how big of a deal two tardises being in the same spot. No no, no,
0: no you're, you're confused. They're not existing in the same spot together.
1: they're time ramming. Ah, oh, yes, of course they're time ramming. I forgot about the time ram yes, yeah, so you need you need to consult the Doctor Who glossary of terms <laughs> yeah, and the but like the doctor's just like. Like, threatening to do a time ram in order to uh, save, in order to, like, stop Kronos and to save the universe. And the Master's just like, okay, do it. Fucking do it. Put your money where your mouth is. Go for it. I'm I'm stepping away from the controls. Go ahead. Do a time ram. And the Doctor's like, I'll do it. I really will. And the Master's like, okay. <laughs> just like, one... Two, two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's happening. Uh, I do like the balls on the master.
0: Yeah, to be like, no, just fucking do it.
1: <laughs> I like the balls on the master. I like the balls on Joe even more. Mm-hmm. Because like they're at a standoff, and it looks like the doctor is just about to let the master get away. And this whole time, Joe is just like, "Yes, do the time ram. I'm willing to sacrifice myself if it saves the universe." And, uh, and the doctor's just like hesitating, and Joe's just like, fuck it, and reaches across and, and presses the button, and she does the time ram. And like, I think I just found my favorite moment for Joe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a great moment. And then they appear on a new plane of existence, out, I'm assuming, outside of time and space, and they meet sure.
1: Kronos, who's a lady on a green screen. The, the real form of Kronos as opposed to like this, the avatar. And I kind of like it because it's like they're standing in a green screen studio and the green screen just like a, becomes like this close up of this woman in like gold and silver makeup. And it feels more ethereal and godlike as opposed to this angry toucan that we've been dealing with up until this point. Mm-hmm. So like it, it definitely looks a little doofy. Obviously, the green screen always looks doofy. But in terms of, like, this is the god of time... Feels more on the money. It feels more on the money than the weird flappy bird thing.
0: <laughs> and in theory, I like the idea of, like, ancient gods being real things that were just beyond the comprehension of the civilizations. hmm I just didn't like the fact that it was a bird thingy. Yeah. So they crash, and then Cronus is like, I'm gonna let you two go. But I'm going to keep the master and torture him relentlessly because he enslaved me. And the doctor is like, could you let him go, please?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, I have a request. Can you please let him go? And Kronos is like, why the fuck would I do that? And doctors doctor is like, because I just saved you. And, like, I, I, I would request it. And she's like, all right, fine. I'll let the master go. But, like... Before this, the master like gets down on his knees and is like begging the doctor to help him. It's like there it is. There it there is. There it is. And I was wondering when the master was gonna ask for the doctor's help. And so like they were going to take the master into his into the doctor's TARDIS, so then he'd be like, I guess arrested, and then we'll just have the sea devils again. Anyway, all three of them are starting to go into the master's tart the doctor's TARDIS, and then he just like pushes Joe and runs to his runs to his TARDIS and materializes out. And the doctor's just like, why did you let him go like that? And Kronos is like, what do you want from me? (laughs) You said to let him go. I don't, I I don't know what you want from me.
0: (laughs) I really struggle with the fact that Kronos allowed it at all. When the doctor's like, can can we take him? Why did she just respond with, no? Because then it's like, well, like, we want to punish him in our way. Have him subjected to our laws. Chronos, I still feel like I should have been like, no.
1: <laughs> he broke the laws of time. As the god of time, I'm going to punish him. Like, that, that feels like what it should have been. But then they get into the Doctor's TARDIS, and Joe even asks the Doctor, why did you try to spare the Master? And the Doctor says, well, would you condemn anyone to an eternity of torment, even the Master? And at the exact same time, Joe said no and I said yes. Yes. Absolutely. You mean the man who's actively tried to destroy the universe multiple times? Yeah, I'd fucking condemn him to torture forever. Would I condemn anyone to an eternity of torment? No. Would I condemn the master specifically to an eternity of torment? Yes. <laughs> and I do like that uh <laughs> that Joe is just like saddened because she's like Atlantis is being destroyed right now. And she's like lamenting the loss of life in Atlantis. And the doctor just has like this thousand yard stare and just says, yes. And I'm just like picturing him just remembering the events, the, all the events of underwater menace and just being like, <laughs> yes, they're all dead forever. And I never have to think about them again. What a tragedy. <laughs> What a tragic loss of life. Anyway, let's get as far away from you as possible.
0: (laughs) And then they arrive. The brigadier rips Joe for her outfit. Uh, The two scientists are like, oh, yeah, this fucking baby. Uh,
1: And then he just kind of turns back into being an adult for some reason. Yep. And then the episode reaches its most logical conclusion. Benton with his dick out. Yep. Yep. Benton's probably getting off to this because he's like doing nothing to like cover himself up or anything. He's not hiding behind the tom tit. He doesn't even have like his hands in front of him. He's just like standing there and be like, so what's going on guys? Well, you've, you're at half mast right now, Benton. That's what's going on. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Benton. What's going on with you? And he's like, oh,
0: you know, just hanging around.
1: <laughs> uh, the, all of these characters have now canonically seen Benton's dick. <laughs> <laughs> and they give a good laugh cut to credits yep <laughs> i fucking hate this episode so much i definitely like it less than i thought i did after discussing it it's not, it did not crack my bottom five though maybe it will once i think about it some more but final thoughts well there's oh, some, yeah, there's some yeah, trivia. trivia uh this episode features a redesign of the tardis interior that will never be used again Because they like have, it's less of like just big round things on the walls and more like satellite dishes just kind of around the walls. So they're like more three-dimensional. Apparently, the set just kind of got warped somehow and was kind of unusable. (laughs) So they're like, okay, well, let's just redesign the TARDIS interior again, shall we? The third doctor is indecisive. I've seen this trivia note several times. And I still don't really believe it. And I'm going to double check because it doesn't sound right. Hold on. Just one second. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, it is right. This is the first time the TARDIS has visited Earth's past since the Abominable Snowmen. What? Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. Every other time it's either been like some other planet or modern day Britain or earth's future they have not visited the past on earth since abominable Snowman. <laughs> i regret i get it uh while filming scenes in bessie with like a side mounted camera uh john pertwee and katie manning got lost and uh, by the time they finally got back to the set uh the director paul bernard was like starting to form search parties <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> now final thoughts
0: i fucking hate this episode uh, there have been episodes I've been kind of mad on. There have been episodes that have just left me so devoid of thoughts and feelings I can't even <laughs> gather thoughts on them. An episode has
1: not actively made me this angry since the Romans. Yeah, and much like the Romans, I'm like, it's not good, but it has some good moments and some parts that I like. And I'm just like looking at Caleb who's just like fucking done with me (laughs) i'm so
0: fucking hollowed out and dead inside (laughs) i hate the timey-wimey bullshit i'm so fucking sick of the master the plot does not start until episode five and it's somehow worse than what was happening beforehand it's terrible it's terrible the show typically drags for me anyway since the romans i have not so actively desired the story to end
1: hmm interesting I have not been like, oh my god, just please end. I am fascinated by that, because I'm thinking about your um, previous, like, rankings, like, Second Doctor. I'm like, he hates it more than Abominable Snowman or Wheel in Space. or God, Space Pirates? Yeah,
0: I, I, I dislike it more than all of those. Okay, if <laughs> you say so. Space Pirates and abominable snowman i can discount as oh, i just had to listen to those that wasn't a big deal i could still fucking play video games i had to watch this <laughs> um and again wheel in space was just nothing there was yeah. just nothing to it uh, i i've learned if one of my if you want to be able to predict what i will like or not like in the future if they try to science time travel at all i'm gonna fucking hate it <laughs> Especially if they spend more than two lines talking about it. Uh, like, cause I, I can handle like them saying something super like in, interstitial time once, uh, or saying time molecules occasionally, but when like fucking half the
1: episode is explaining it, uh, I just wanna fucking go bananas. That's absolutely fair, because you know, time travel is nothing but theory, so anytime they try to pretend like they know what they're talking about, yeah. I can definitely see it being frustrating. And I, I definitely agree. I think there's a fine line of, like, good technobabble. And this was not good technobabble. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely don't like this episode as much as I did at the beginning of this. Um, I still think that it was relatively funny. There were a lot of, a lot of lines throughout the story that made me uh, either chuckle or one or two that actually made me laugh. And some nose exhalation. I did like returning to the to a location that we've had a previous adventure in, but it's like a different point in history. I can't really think of any other times we've done that outside of Earth. But yeah, the fact that the story suddenly focused on Atlantean politics in the last third, completely disconnected from anything else that happened in the in the other four episodes and then just. Fucking chronos bird it's (laughs) that was really dumb so yeah it almost it almost cracked my top five at the beginning of this and now it's almost cracking my bottom five so well good i'm glad i'm glad you've (laughs) mostly seen reason
0: (laughs) wow i fucking hate this episode (laughs) well that's it for this episode guys thanks for listening if you want to support the podcast the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about it you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. You can follow us on Instagram at quick trip Podcast. You can also check out Mac's YouTube channel, MacTheMath, where he does insightful videos about video games.
1: And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we watch the 10th anniversary episode in The Three Doctors. Oh. I told you I was looking forward to this one. <laughs> Also, like, uh, I don't know if it'll get picked up on Mike at all, but I am currently cat-sitting, and, uh, the cat in question does have, like, a little bell on his collar, so. You might hear some jingle jangles in the background, and that's what it is. His name is Loki, and he's very cute. Max actually got a bell
0: around his neck right now. I can see it. Shut up. (laughs) Shut up. We're saving that for the kink podcast. <laughs> We're saving that for the quick trip
1: after dark podcast. <laughs> only available on Patreon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs>